All right. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. Coming to you after the tip-off of college basketball, we have a huge game coming up in football against the San Jose State Spartans, and Utah State basketball fell to UC Davis in their season opener. We'll take a look at both of those, and then we have an interview that I did with a good friend, Cameron McCurdy. Uh, He is formerly the host of The Curd with Cameron McCurdy, a show that was on Aggie Radio for a long time while he was a student here. He is a big NFL guy, and I wanted to get his insights on Jordan Love and his first NFL start, which is why we didn't talk about it earlier in the week on the Monday morning show. So I'm excited to bring that to you. It's a phone call that we recorded, and we'll just have that interview right here at the end of the show. Um, But first of all, before we get to that, let's go ahead and take a look at the San Jose Spartans, what they are looking like, uh, what we can do in that game, and what that game means for us and the conference. Then we'll take a look at our first game in basketball, um, because basketball is finally here, and we have finally had our first game. So let's take a look at the San Jose game coming up. The game is to be played in San Jose, California. It will be Saturday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and... San Jose State comes into the game 5 and 5 on the season, 3 and 3 in conference. So, San Jose coming in at 500 and just about as 500 as you can possibly get um being 5 and 5 on the season, 3 and 3 in conference. So, just about as vanilla and quite frankly boring as possible. Um not a lot to go off of, not not a lot there, but if we look a little bit closer, I think there is a lot to unpack with that San Jose State team. So let's go through their schedule so far leading into this game and we'll uh we'll look at what they've what they've done so far. So their first game, they win a commanding game against Southern Utah. Uh, they go on to lose a commanding game to USC. So after week 2, they had kind of just done what they were expected to do, beat an inferior team, lose to a superior team. Week three, they beat Hawaii by only four points. That game was played in Hawaii, so remember what we've talked about with uh, playing in Hawaii versus against Hawaii on the mainland. Winning in Hawaii by four is kind of like winning by a touchdown and a half, to be to be honest with you. And then they and then they lose to Western Michigan by a lot. They score only three points against Western Michigan, losing 23 to three. So a bad, bad loss moving on from a a win against Hawaii. And then they go on and play New Mexico State. And I know we had our struggles against New Mexico State early on in the game, but San Jose State only won by six points. They led the entire game, which is unlike what we did. We trailed early and then came back and won big. San Jose State led the whole time, but Never had a huge convincing lead, even until the final buzzer when they win by six. Following that, they beat Colorado State 32 to 14. Then they lose to San Diego State 19 to 13. So at the time, San Diego State was ranked 24 in the nation, and they lose by just a score. They move on to beat UNLV by one score, one of UNLV's many, many excruciating one-score losses. San Jose then beats Wyoming by six points again, 21-27, to 27. and San Jose State is most recently coming off a three-point loss to the Nevada Wolfpack. So that is where their five wins and five losses are coming from. At first glance, it isn't anything too special it's kind of just what they what they should have done um but then you remember that this team is the 
defending champs in the Mountain West Conference. And knowing that, the the expectations might change a little bit. And you start to wonder about those three conference losses coming to Colorado State, San Diego State, and Nevada. Um, I'm just realizing now, I think I made a mistake. I, I had that wrong. Colorado State beat San Jose State. 32 to 14. I had that backwards. I think I had the score correct. 32 to 14 in favor of the Rams in between San Jose State against in between San Jose State's games against New Mexico State and San Diego State. So in that middle stretch there, San Jose State lost to Western Michigan, beat New Mexico State, lost then back to back to Colorado State and San Diego State before beating UNLV. So the, the three losses in conference are Colorado State, the one that I missed earlier on, along with San Diego State and Nevada. So San Jose State, really just the definition of you win some, you lose some this year as they've won five, lost five, won three, lost three in the conference. San Jose State has not been a particularly high-scoring team throughout the year which could be good for our defense, which has not only been really good all year, um, but is actually kind of beat up right now. Um, and particularly the, the the line is a little bit beat up. So it might take um, a talented group of kids that are a little bit beat up. might be a good time for them to meet a team that doesn't score uh, a ton of points. So far, the, so far this season, their highest scoring game is 45 against SUU. Um, and that is kind of the outlier. After that, they scored 7, 13, 3, 37, 14, 13, 27, 27, 24. Um, so spending a lot of time in that 23 to 27 range. And if Utah State can hold them to that or even less, as Utah State has a better defense than a lot of these teams that they've faced, I mean, San Jose State scored three against Western Michigan. Um and so if Utah State can hold them to 23, 24, 27 uh, in there or below, there's a really good chance that Utah State is going to score more than that. The only time they haven't scored more than that all year, Utah State, is in their opening game, uh, and they still scored right in that range at 26 when they beat Washington State. After that, they've scored 48, 49, 27, 34, 28, 26, so another 26 against Colorado State, and then 51, 35. So... If San Jose State comes in to this game and scores their average and Utah State scores their average, Utah State's going to come out on top in this one. The big question mark for this game is going to be how does San Jose State's defense play against Utah State's offense? Um, Utah State's offense has been really good, especially in the third quarter. They've been really good. Uh, and especially now that Logan Bonner's been settling into this offense and being able to find guys other than Devin Tompkins, who is currently the leading receiver in the nation in terms of receiving yards. Uh, Devin Tompkins is an amazing athlete, um, but as Logan Bonner learns to find other guys other than Tompkins and utilize them, guys like McGriff, Brandon Bowling, Derek Wright, Kyle Van Leeuwen, um, this offense gets a lot, a lot better. But San Jose State's defense has done a good job of reining in some of these teams, particularly an early on game against USC, a game that they lost, but they only gave up 30 points, which is one of the lower scores USC has had all year. So as San Jose State hasn't been scoring beyond the 30 mark all year long, they've kind of prevented their opponents from doing so as well. The only opponents that did were USC scoring 30, New Mexico State scoring 31, 
and Colorado State scoring 32. So not often do they give up more than 30 points. I think this game might be a first to 30 wins the game because I think if Utah State can get to 30, San Jose State isn't going to catch up. And if San Jose State does come out and score 30, I think that is indicative of them playing a really, really good football game. And I don't know what else would happen. So I think if Utah State can get to 30 or beyond, I think there's a good chance we win this game especially because our defense has been really, really good all year and San Jose State's offense has not been their brightest aspect of of their game. So moving on from football, let's talk basketball. This week, Utah State played two other sets of Aggies in football. We played the New Mexico State Aggies and in basketball, we played the UC Davis Aggies. So UC Davis getting the best of Utah State in the first game of the season, the first game of the Ryan Odom era, 72-69 to for UC Davis. Um, it, was, uh, it was a game that just didn't quite go Utah State's way. They looked good. They looked fine. I'm still confident in this team that I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to win games. They're going to be a good team, top half of the conference. But the shots just weren't falling. Um, and that's okay to have those nights. Um, I'd rather have a night like that early on against a non-conference opponent, uh, to be to be frank. It doesn't make it hurt any less. It doesn't make it any more fun to lose. It still sucks to lose. It still sucks to lose when, you know, we're, we're 0-1. It's not fun to be 0-1. It's not fun for Ryan Odom to have a losing record here at Utah State after just one game. Like, none of that's fun, and it doesn't make it better. But it makes it okay in the grand scheme of things. And I'm really not worried about this team because they looked fine. The offense is going to come around. The shots were looking good. They were taking the right shots. They were moving the ball. They just weren't falling. And especially there were some really excruciating ones where they would get to the lane, take a great shot right at the rim, and it would just roll right out. And those are going to fall, you know, once the, once this team gets rolling again um, and once they play some more games. So those are going to fall. So I'm, I'm not particularly worried, to be honest with you. The leading scorer for the Aggies was... Incoming transfer, Brandon Horvath with 19. He had 19 points in 29 minutes. He was 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 for 3. Brandon Horvath, you'll remember, is kind of the obligatory center on the on the court um, in that starting role. He's the biggest one on the court. He's not really a true center. He's, he's a forward. He's listed as a forward, but he is the biggest guy on the court. So when you have the biggest guy in your starting lineup hitting two threes, going two for six... That, I think, is indicative of some really good things to come once the shots start to fall. 7 of 14 isn't particularly great because a lot of his shots that he was taking inside were right at the rim and just coming right out, just rolling off the rim. And so when those start to fall, his 19-point game tonight easily could have been a 25 to 30-point game had some of those shots just fallen. Um, and so Brandon Horvath with 19 points. He also had 7 rebounds on the night and a block. Justin Bean was the second leading scorer. He had 16. Justin Bean had a good night as well. He was the player of the game uh, for sure. He played 35 minutes. He was 5 of 10 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, and 5 of 6 from the stripe. He also had 13 rebounds. So Justin Bean doing Justin Bean things with his 13 rebounds, 16 points. He also had an assist and a steal. The other starters all making their presence known. The other three starters, Ryland Jones, RJ Rock, and Brock Miller, all had eight points apiece. Um, Ryland Jones was three of seven from the field, two of four from three, with six rebounds. Ryland Jones also drew what seemed to be like five or six 
charges. He was great. We talked about it even last week on the show or at some point uh, in the past with Jacob. And he is just one that sacrifices his body for the team. He is really, really good, and he just wants to be here and wants to win. Um, so he was he was great. His defense was also really, really good. He had three steals on the night. Um, RJ Idlerock with eight points as well. Two of nine from the field, O of two from the three. That's not going to be like that. I mean, that's going to change as well. Um, and then four of six from the free throw line with Two offensive and two defensive rebounds. Four total rebounds on the night. Five assists, a steal, and a block. So a really well-rounded night for RJ Idlerock, uh, another newcomer from UMBC, coming in with Coach Odom. Brock Miller, another familiar name. 26 minutes, eight points again. Three of nine from the field. Two of seven from three. Didn't get to the line. He had two assists and a steal. So Brock Miller's defense making itself known again. And so that is your starters. The only person to score off the bench was Stephen Ashworth with five. He also had himself two rebounds, two assists, and was two of two from the line. So like I said, you don't look at those numbers and and see anything that was glaring or anything that was really bad. It it really was just a night that didn't go our way, and that's going to change. Utah State does have a big trip coming up traveling east for a game against Richmond, which will be played in Annapolis, Maryland. We are then going to be going to the Myrtle Beach Invitational, where we will start off against Penn. And then after that, we will play one of a number of opponents that were also invited to that Invitational, that showcase, which include Davidson, Eastern Carolina, Indiana State, New Mexico State, Oklahoma, Old Dominion, and then, of course, us and Penn. So after we play Penn, we'll be playing a, a whole bunch of those other opponents. The showcase will be three games long, so look forward to that. Um, so after that whole thing, we finally will come back. Our next home event is against UT Arlington. We're back in the spectrum on November 27th um, after a big, long road trip back east. All right, so Utah State was not the only team to play in the conference this week in college basketball. Let's take a look at the other teams that tipped off. The Mountain West had a total of six games. UC Davis beating Utah State being one of them. Boise State also took care of business against UVU. Colorado State beat Oral Roberts. San Diego State beat UC Riverside. Nevada beat Eastern Washington. And Fresno played a team called Fresno Pacific, and they beat them. So... The Mountain West coming out with a bunch of wins. Utah State, the only team in the Mountain West not to win their opener. Uh, but that's okay because Utah State basketball is going to be just fine. They will uh, they will come around. Um, so that is the scoreboard conference. Let's take a look at the football games coming up in the conference this weekend because it is a big week for football. It's another really defining week. Um, this game against San Jose State is a huge one for Utah State. This will really determine... Um, Possibly whether or not we're playing in a Mountain West Championship game. And if we are, it could help determine where that game is played. So it is a huge game. It's a huge... uh, There's really high stakes in this game for Utah State. And the ramifications will go throughout the entire conference. The other games in the conference going on are Wyoming-Boise State. We would love for Wyoming to win that game. We also have Hawaii and UNLV playing... We have Air Force and Colorado State. 
We have New Mexico playing Fresno and the big one, Nevada at San Diego State. That's a big one that could quite honestly determine where the Mountain West Championship game is played. And if it doesn't, it will probably determine who is playing us in a Mountain West Championship game if we host it. So those are the two other teams other than Utah State with only one conference loss. Obviously, that will change at the end of the week because they are playing each other. So it will have huge ramifications. The winner of that game is basically in the driver's seat to host the Mountain West Championship. And if we win against San Jose State, then we just need the winner of that game to lose and we host outright. We are in the driver's seat to host the Mountain West Championship if we can just win a couple more games. So that is kind of what we are up against in the conference this week. Nevada, San Diego State, definitely the the big one of the week. And, you know, Wyoming uh, and Boise isn't small either. We would love it if Wyoming could win. Um, give us some breathing room in terms of getting to the Mountain West Championship. Like we've said, though, if we lose this game, even if Wyoming does beat Boise or if Boise drops another game, um, we'll probably play in the conference championship because at that point we would be leading the division uh, with some breathing room. But we probably won't host if we lose, even if Boise does. So we're really hoping to win out, and we're hoping for Nevada and Fresno, the winner of that game, to lose again later on um, so that we can bring somebody from that division over to Logan, Utah, and beat them up in the conference championship game. That is all we have for you right now. Let's go ahead and kick it over to the phone call I had with Cameron McCurdy. I had a great time talking to Cameron. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. I'm talking about Jordan Love, who is, I think, going to have a great NFL career. I still believe in Jordan Love. Um, So stay, uh, stay tuned to hear my conversation with Cameron McCurdy about Jordan Love and his future career. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Make sure you are buying your tickets for the final football game of the season, Wyoming. Uh, Make sure you're starting to get your tickets for basketball as well. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Cameron, and go Aggies. All right, so joining me now is my old friend Cameron McCurdy. You might recognize him. He was the host of The Curd with Cameron McCurdy, a radio show that was on Aggie Radio. Um, He had that for a little while before he left Utah State University, but he's an Aggie uh, through and through. We text all the time. We're always talking about Aggie sports, so it's good to have him on and talk about a former Aggie, one of the greatest former Aggies that we have probably ever seen, certainly one of the best I've ever seen in my lifetime, Jordan Love, as he gets his first professional start. So, uh, Cameron, how are you? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good to hear from you. So I just want to talk football with you. So I'm glad to, glad I get you on the horn and we can talk about Jordan Love. Yeah, man, I'm actually really excited about it. I got a lot of thoughts on this, that's for sure. Yeah, I do too. So let's jump right in and let's just, I'll leave it open-ended for you and let's just get, you know, let, lay it on me. What what were your first impressions of of Jordan Love in that game and kind of this, uh, this situation surrounding that, I guess, too, which is a significant situation for sure well I mean I have to preface it with the fact that Green Bay drafting Jordan Love was probably where everything went downhill for Jordan Love like as far as like the situation that he could have had Green Bay definitely by drafting him um, and thinking that he was going to be able to replace Aaron Rodgers was probably the first mistake that they made Um, right because, one, Aaron Rodgers is a dramatic person. Even though it doesn't seem like it, I never thought he was literally until they drafted Jordan Love and it was just a replay of Brett Favre after they drafted Aaron Rodgers. 
Exactly. I mean, it's the exact same thing that's happening. They're they're going back and forth. Um, Aaron Rodgers thinking that they're trying to replace him, when in reality, I'm sure Green Bay, they're a smart organization. They're just trying to plan for the future. I mean, like, they obviously got a hit with him. They think they can do it again. They're just preparing for the future. But with Aaron Rodgers, how dramatic he is, and with all the stuff going around on COVID, I just can't see the situation playing out for Jordan Love, unfortunately. Now, that being yeah. said, if we just look at the game, I'm looking if we look at the stats, Jordan Love went nineteen for thirty four on on passing attempts. He averaged about five point six yards per throw with hundred and ninety yards in total, um, with only about one interception that really hurt him and a big sack. Now yeah. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. who we have to look at the fact that he just got a ten year contract for what like I don't know how many hundred million dollars or whatever it was, um, literally just to play quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs for the next 10 years. He had 20 for 37, had a worse um, completion percentage, had almost 30 less yards, and was also sacked for about the same amount of yards, just about five yards less than Jordan Love was. Both had a passer rating of around 70 to 75. Went and they are railing Jordan Love for not showing up yeah. when this is his yeah. first start in his second year. Like, I don't understand what they're expecting him to do when, one, exactly. Aaron Rodgers has, has created a cruddy situation for him. Two, the offensive line could not show up for this game. I mean, I'm, I don't know yeah. how many times yeah. that I heard the announcer say, oh, look, another blitz from Kansas City, and Green Bay couldn't even hold him back. Yeah, they were throwing everything at him. So, I I don't know, my my first thought was just that, because if you look at all the total yards, passing yards, Green Bay ahead. Rushing yards, Green Bay. By by 50, you take away our leading rusher, Aaron Jones, and you're you're still almost beating Kansas City in total rushing yards. And receiving yards were, you know, obviously ahead, like – I just you it doesn't get until you get down to the special teams and the offensive line was the sole reason why Green Bay lost that game. I couldn't agree more with you and going back to your first point with the 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 situation that Jordan Love was drafted into, you know, because we talked about the in-game situation was certainly far from ideal as well and and I want to talk about that as well, but the situation he was drafted into, if you look at some of the other players and even just look at the quarterbacks that he was drafted with, I mean, Joe Burrow went first overall, right? And there, there was, you know, definitely a talent gap, I guess you could say, between those two. And I'm not saying Jordan Love should have gone first overall. But if you look at some of his right. peers from that draft, they went to teams where they're now starting. The fan bases love them. And Jordan Love, through no fault of his own, gets drafted behind a dramatic starter who, I mean, let's be, let's be honest about it. Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback. That's why he can afford to be a little bit uh, dramatic, but he gets drafted behind this diva who, you know, can't wrap his head around the fact that there's a future in green Bay outside of him. And Aaron Rodgers is not part of the long-term plans and Jordan Love could be. And so Jordan Love gets drafted into a program that wanted him obviously. And then immediately Aaron Rodgers, it seems like, tries to turn everybody against him and the media is, you know, not too high on, on Jordan love. And it, and it was frustrating to, it's been frustrating to watch this situation unfold where 
you and I have seen Jordan Love at the college level. We know what he's capable of. Obviously, the Packers know what he's capable of because they drafted him in the first round when they have an MVP quarterback on the roster mm-hmm. currently. And so it just mm-hmm. is annoying that he's kind of become like this lightning rod of controversy, and he's probably one of the most unproblematic players in the NFL. Like, he's just there to play. The only mistake Jordan Love ever made was getting drafted by the Green Bay Packers, and that shouldn't have even been a mistake. You know, it's just unfortunate that all of this has been piled on to Jordan Love, who's who's a great kid, and, you know, it's only his second year in the league, and he has all this off-field drama to deal with. And so I, I completely agree with you in that regard as well, just that it's a terrible situation that he's been drafted into. Um, and the frustrating thing is it's like a terrible situation that should be so good. You know, he should be able to go and learn from one of the best quarterbacks of all time and sit behind an MVP quarterback and learn from him. And I just don't know that he's getting that opportunity because of the drama and the the antics of, of Aaron Rodgers. But, uh, you know, all that aside, we could probably do a whole show just on what Jordan Love has had to go through just for being drafted. But that aside – like you said, this was his first game, his first ever start, and it kind of it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, the way the announcers were, you know, treating Jordan Love, and you alluded to it as well, but they kept talking about how, oh, Jordan Love is, is so nervous for, you know, his first start. It's like, in my mind, it's like, well, what do you expect from him? You know, it's his first day at work. Who's not nervous for their first day at work? Not to mention exactly. there's people – a foot away from him trying to kill him at all at, at any moment. Right. Like it's, right. it's a hard job. Of course, he's going to be a little bit nervous. It's his first day. I don't get why everyone's riding him so hard after what I, it wasn't like atrocious. Like you, like you pointed out in the numbers, it wasn't bad. It's really that, that interception. I think that's hurting him. If you look at the, the QB rating between Jordan Love and Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes comes out on top, but I think it's probably just because of that interception really that that's hurting Jordan Love. Is, is that, is that a fair assessment as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, like, at, at the, I believe it was the end of the third quarter, he nearly threw an interception that really should have been picked off by the defense of Green Bay. Um, right. I, can't, I think right. it was the King guy. I can't remember his first name, but um, he was a corner for Green Bay. He It was literally in his arms, and he could not manage to catch it. And that's literally right. the Kevin difference King, between right? Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's the difference between yeah. Patrick Mahomes and getting getting a 74 rating or between that and getting a 69 rating matching Jordan Love. And honestly, yeah, right. if we look at – I want to look at receiving for a little bit too because they did point out something um, that was really worthwhile uh, was Devontae Adams did not show up for practice until Friday before some, before the game. So if yeah, you look that's at reception – That's a good point. Randall Cobb had three receptions for 50 yards with leading receiver on five targets. So he caught three of five balls. Now, going one down, A.J. Dillon, that was four receptions on four targets, caught every single single pass for 44 yards. Devontae Adams, who has been praised for how good of a wide receiver he is with Aaron Rodgers, didn't show up until Friday. Not necessarily he could have shown up earlier. I think he was in COVID protocol. But right. the fact that he doesn't show up until Friday and he's supposed to be their leading receiver, he did have six receptions on 14 targets. He only caught less than half of the targets that he, that Jordan Love had thrown at him for only 42 yards. 
And so how exactly. are we supposed to sit there and judge this kid who's passing the ball to a guy who can't even under, like can't even as much as the quarterback is supposed to read the wide receiver, the wide receiver needs to know his quarterback. And Devontae Adams did not exactly. get the chance to practice with Jordan Love to read his quarterback. Exactly. And it just goes back. It's just one more thing that is out of Jordan Love's control that makes his situation a little bit harder. And it's Devontae Adams was not able to practice. It's not like he was just not showing up, but that's still something that hurts Jordan Love. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, ask ask anybody who follows sports, like getting reps together, that quarterback-receiver chemistry is huge. And so for Jordan Love not to be able to have that going into this game is certainly going to hurt him when it comes to game time. And the other thing is, like you mentioned, the, the rushing and the, the blitzing, Kansas City really threw everything they had at Jordan Love, I think. You know, they, they they were aware of this situation, and it was it was Jordan Love's first day. It's reasonable to assume that he's going to be nervous. And so if I'm Kansas City, I'm probably doing the same thing. You're, you're seeing if you can rattle the young kid and get him to screw up and, and things like that. So you're going to throw everything you can at the guy. And that being said, I think he handled it pretty well. I mean, how well could you do your job with a 1,000 pounds of person coming at you trying to – take your head off right like for Jordan Love to be able to stay cool and stay calm with Kansas City blitzing him in a way that they would never blitz Aaron Rodgers I think was still pretty Mm -hmm. impressive on on Love's part oh yeah and the fact that with how many blitzes they threw at him he was only sacked once for 11 yards and every other time he was able to escape and either at least like you know rush for some yards or he was able to throw some incredible pass while being tackled and it was actually caught yeah. by, you know, I think it was the tight end, that Valdez scouting guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. still, like, something that you can't you can't look over is how hard that Kansas City's defense hit um, Green Bay. And, I mean, even that's not as big as the special teams screwing up so bad throughout the entire game. Exactly. I mean, if yeah. they don't, I, I was if gonna, they don't I'm screw glad up you as much as they up. did yeah. – it's 13-13. Literally, they did, they missed both field goals. Mason Crosby missed both field goals that he had shot uh, for in that game. He was 0 for 2, and those two are made. It's a tied game 13-13, and there's a chance that Green Bay could win it still. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I think, I mean, the story, unfortunately, for Jordan Love so far in his career is being written by people outside of his inner circle. It's being written by people other than him. And – you know, we've talked about that with uh, with other situations, but the, the special teams as well. If the special teams goes out there and does their job, there's a good chance that Green Bay wins this game and Jordan Love is 1-0, right? And then it's right. And then it's a lot easier to look at his stats and look at the good rather than the bad. But when he loses, even though it is in large part due to the special teams and even probably the play calling on offense, but he loses that game mm-hmm. and – you know, so it's it's easier to focus on the negative. You also mentioned Jordan Love getting out of the pocket and scrambling. He carried the ball, just according to the stats, he carried the ball five times for 23 yards. Mahomes carried it twice for negative two yards. And Jordan Love has always been one that was a little bit reluctant to run the ball, I think, um, even though I think he is pretty mm-hmm. athletic and he's got some good legs that can move. He's always been reluctant. But, I mean, for, for 23 yards on five carries for a quarterback that was – you know, at his first day at work. I don't think that's – Oh, yeah. That's not unimpressive either. I mean, it's it, – it, that's not bad in my mind. 
Well, and just a year ago, we gave Patrick Mahomes all this praise for being able to, like, get out of the pocket and escape the defense and be able to make amazing throws. Jordan Love literally did that yeah. all night last night. And the fact yeah. that they're yeah. sitting here roasting him for that. and But, like, the, at Utah State, we saw him. He was in the pocket a lot, and he was able to make some great throws. I mean, as great as Jordan Love was and, and is, and we saw at Utah State one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best, he still had a great offensive line. He had great wide receivers and a great core around him to be able to do what he did. And Green Bay, Green yeah. Bay just didn't give him that. And the fact that he could do what he did without Green Bay giving him the protection that he needed and also the special teams that he needed, just yeah. there's so much positive that could come out of this when everyone's like, oh, uh, I didn't, Jordan Love didn't wow me. And it's like, okay, well, maybe if he gets drafted by some other team, he would have wowed you last year rather than having to wait until now when COVID exactly. took it. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers out. It's frustrating that he had to wait a year and a half to play, and he's only playing because Aaron Rodgers is, is out with COVID. And, and, yeah, like you're saying, like, yeah, maybe he didn't wow you, but, I mean, how many quarterbacks do wow you on their first day, on their first start, um, especially given the situation that Jordan Love was given with, the special teams and an offensive line. Um, it, it was. It, it just seemed like he was kind of set up for failure. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that like maliciously or anything like that, or like I'm not saying it. They were conspiring against Jordan Love or anything like that. Um, right. But the cards were certainly dealt against him, and all things considered, I think he came out and looked. He. I think he looked okay. I mean, I don't. I don't want to turn it into something that it's not, and act like he had. Mm-hmm a superstar performance, but for the way Kansas city was, was blitzing him for the way the plays were being called for him for the way the special teams were, were playing um, for the way the offensive line was playing um, just for with, with all the off the field drama, I think his performance was acceptable or even exceeded expectations in, in a way. Yeah, I think I think it was stellar first, like it, like you said, the, the situation that he was placed in um, with Green Bay, and and it's not like Aaron Rodgers is necessarily a bad person because he actually really likes Jordan Love and he trusts him, and we've heard multiple yeah. reports of that. But it's it's not the direct um, uh, problems that he's causing; it's the indirect problems that are causing him so much uh, to have to overcome in Green Bay. Because they're obviously going to rail – I mean, politically, they're going to rail Aaron Rodgers for not getting vaccinated. But then when it comes to football, yeah. um, Aaron Rodgers is the, the you know the princess that needs to be coddled in Green Bay or else they're going to lose him and then creates this whole thing for Green Bay. So now they've got to cater to him, and it just puts Jordan Love in this situation like, okay, I'm either a devil child who's coming to try to steal – you know, daddy's job or it comes back around to, or you're not good enough and you're trying to live up to Aaron Rodgers. If you don't live up to Aaron Rodgers, then you're not yeah. good enough. But then if you beat Aaron Rodgers, then you're this devil child who came out and stole his job. Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, like we've said, for all the good that could have come from this situation, um, it definitely is stacked against Jordan Love, at least for the short term. I think the long term, it, I think he still has a has, has a bright future, and I'd like to get your opinion on that as well. But I think the short term might be a little bit rough for Jordan Love, um, but obviously Green Bay knew what they were doing when they drafted him. They weren't drafting him for the 2021 season, so I, I, I'm wondering what your take is now that we've seen him in a game. Now that we're starting to, uh, you know, he's been in in Green Bay for a season and a half at this point. Um, what do you see 
Jordan Love's future uh, holding in the NFL? Do you think he stays with Green Bay? Is he moved? Um, what, what, what is, what's the vibe you're getting? Well, I, I hope he moves. Uh, that's my hope is that he finds another situation that he can get more playing time because I think it's just going to come with time. Um, if he is going to stay in Green Bay for this season, my hope is that Aaron Rodgers gets fined or suspended for not getting vaccinated. Um, and I mean, I don't know what the NFL's policies are or anything. I don't think that they're requiring them, but they are putting some strict rules on it. So the fact that he is unvaccinated and got COVID, my hope for Jordan Love is that Aaron Rodgers gets suspended so that he can get more playing time and actually have a chance to get a little bit more comfortable for the O-line to trust him to get more reps with those wide receivers um, and be able yeah. to like show his stuff. Um, unfortunately, um, you look at the bad side of this, that just because of the situation, he could turn into this like, you know, backup quarterback, like Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater, who's just a backup forever or, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name in Seattle who's behind Russell Wilson, like just somebody who sits behind a good person all their life and then has like one good game, but then multiple bad games that nobody ever focuses on. And yeah, that's just, that's my, that's my biggest fear for him is that he's just going to be stuck behind Aaron Rodgers and that Aaron Rodgers is going to try to Tom Brady it and be in the NFL for longer than he should be. I just hope that he yeah. either gets to find a situation where he can play a lot more or he gets the opportunity to play more this season and then Green Bay can either trade for him or um, Jordan Love can choose to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the best case scenario, whether he stays or goes to a different team, I think a lot of it comes down to playing time and the sooner the better. So like you said, it, you know, the best case scenario for Jordan Love right now is for – Aaron Rodgers to get suspended or fined because he lied about getting the vaccine and all that. Um, you know, there's a chance that the NFL forces him to sit out a game or whatever. That would be great for Jordan Love because he would have a chance to be able to get settled into the offense. And even, you know, some of the mistakes that he did make, you could see he was just, you know, underthrowing somebody or just missing slightly. And that's just, that's just not who Jordan Love is. That's not what he does. And I think if he were to get more reps with the team and settle in, he's going to start hitting his guys right in the hands. And that, that kind of thing is going to going to clean itself up. And the offensive line, like you said, will clean itself up. So the sooner he gets playing time, the better. And if Aaron Rodgers sits out the next couple of weeks or is fined and suspended, um, that might be good for Jordan Love's career um, because it would make him more enticing to other teams that could go and make a move to, to trade for him. Mm-hmm. And when get, like with getting suspended, I was just looking at the schedule ahead for Green Bay, and you've got at home against the Seahawks with an injured Russell Wilson, so that's a great opportunity to just really, you know, beat out another backup quarterback and say like, okay, look, I'm not I'm not just some scrub that's behind a good quarterback. Like I can actually play. And then you've got the yeah. next three games are against some really good defenses. You've got the Vikings, the Rams, and the Bears. And if he can play up until you know almost Christmas. Like, he's got a lot of great opportunities to really – if the media wants him to wow him, then he's got an opportunity to in the next few games. Yep, exactly. Um, it would be fun if he got to play on the other side of the ball from Bobby Wagner and Utah State fans get mm-hmm. to see um, the Jordan Love-Bobby Wagner matchup. That would be fun if he uh, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get to play against the uh, Seahawks at home. Um, 
So that'd yeah, be a fun be, one. I think that'd be cool. But yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I would like Jordan Love to get moved. I, I would just would love to see him get some more playing time. Um, and it's it's hard to tell after just one game, but I, I think that he has. I still think he has potential in the league, um, and I think he'll he'll find a way to stick around in the NFL. I think so. Uh, Cameron, do you have anything else for me on Jordan Love or anybody else that comes to mind? Oh no, man. I mean, it's an exciting it's an exciting season for NFL. Like you never know what's going to happen. New England. There's a lot of talk that you know maybe they go to the Super Bowl. They're just starting to show up and starting to get used to. It. I mean, they beat Carolina by 18 points. That's a really good game to to look for. Um, I thought Cleveland would fold after Odell Beckham uh, was released and there was a lot of drama there and they absolutely annihilated the Bengals. Um, hurts for my fantasy team, but it's a really cool story to see <laughs> the Browns actually come out and be a little bit better than we thought. And man, I mean, the Bills getting beat, the Broncos coming out and annihilating Dallas's defense. There's just a lot of really good games this, this week that we could talk about, but it's just been a great week overall and excited for the season to come. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's been a great season, and uh, hopefully it's, uh, the the fun continues and hopefully Jordan loves a part of it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll let you get going, Cameron. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you making time for me on the phone. So uh, let's do this again sometime. Let's talk soon. Okay, yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, man. We'll see you. All right, thanks. See you later, man.